The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 221, I think. Doesn't matter. With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm Jimmy Kimsky from PhillyVoice.com. It is a uh, bad time in the Empire uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, coming off a, uh, excuse me, an ugly loss to the Las Vegas Raiders um, out in the desert. In Allegiant Stadium, or better known as the Big Roomba. Um, yeah, just ugly across the board in that game. Offense, defense, uh, I don't know about special teams, but uh, really ugly, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, offense wasn't much better, but when you give up 31 of 34 pass attempts for completions, not great. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? <sighs> Jimmy, how could I be doing great with an intro like that? Uh, you know, look, this is the time of the podcast where I usually have some kind of, you know, maybe something interesting, slightly interesting to say, or some flowery, flowery intro, or I even talk about the fact that BGN Radio is brought to you by Right to Sell and Craft Jerky, which you can go to rightsellin.com, use discount code BGN15 for 15% off, but I can't do any of that right now because... I am really frustrated with this football team, as a lot of Eagles fans are. Jimmy, you called me, a little peek behind the curtain here. You called me on Wednesday to figure out when we were going to be recording this podcast. We just had a conversation on the phone that really should have been saved for the podcast on my end because <laughs> I was just ranting about the Eagles and how frustrating they are. So we'll get into that a little bit later, but I feel like we have some housekeeping stuff to start out with first. Yeah, let's do the news, which uh, was post-game. Uh, on Monday, I think. Oh, not, yeah, Monday. Um, the Eagles traded, of course, Joe Flacco uh, to the New York Jets, which in turn makes Gardner Minshew the number two quarterback behind Jalen Hurts. They also signed, uh, what the hell is his name already? Reed Sinat. Reed Sinat, Reed Sinat, yeah. So they signed him from, uh, wait, or they, excuse me, they claimed him off of waivers. Former Miami Dolphins quarterback was potentially in line to play had uh, Jacoby Brissett gotten hurt. Uh, during the time when Tua Tagovailoa was hurt. Uh, but he's now an Eagle. He's the number three. Minshew the two. Hurts the one. Eagles take a $2.4 million cap hit, which uh, you don't often see uh, when you trade a quarterback or any player on a one-year deal. But because they were so cap 
constrained at one time uh, during this year. Uh, they put like four dummy years on his contract, uh, even though it was a one-year deal. And um, instead of just having that be a normal, like guaranteed salary that they could have traded off to the, uh, you know, his new team, it's money that's already paid to Joe Flacco. So it stays on the Eagles cap. They do get a six-round pick in return. I think Adam Kaplan said that it was uh, the, uh, a pick that the Jets own from the Buccaneers in the sixth round. So it's not even going to be a high six. It's going to be a late six uh, for the Eagles. They can apparently become a five. I don't have the conditions yet. I've been asking the Eagles for it. They haven't got. I have those to me. Yet. Those were they revealed. Do. Yeah, they were revealed. Oh. I think uh, Mike Garofalo revealed them. Garofalo. Uh, it was that night, and I think it's it's basically oh, the Gardner Minshew. Okay. Yeah, try to get with the times, James. Uh, hmm. Do you even know what TikTok is, Jimmy? Do you know about Meta? <laughs> you know about Meta? Do you know what that is? I'm embarrassed that, that I don't know the uh, trading conditions. Like that's sort of like my world. Do you know what Meta is, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I mean it's hard to explain, but the, no, the new name for Facebook. It's called Meta. Oh, I now. do not. No, no, no. So no, yeah, no. you're so behind. Uh, anyway, uh, while James is under a rock over there, I will tell you that the it's like same kind of deal as the Gardner Minshew trade, where it's like if he plays more than fifty percent of the snaps in four games, then it elevates to a fifth. That's the same thing as like Gardner Minshew. If he does the same thing, the, then the Eagles would send a fifth to the Jaguars. Flacco already not starting this weekend, by the way. It's going to be Mike White, uh, their backup that we saw a little bit of during Eagles Jets during practices, whatever. Uh, so I don't know if that has to do with the trade. Like, a, like I assume that Joe Flacco is probably better than this Mike White, uh, probably. even if he doesn't know the playbook all that well. And uh, Joe Douglas is just playing that smartly, making sure that uh, Joe Flacco doesn't hit those playing time incentives, whatever. But uh, I guess I got to get on that. I got to get on my uh, my Joe Flacco, um, you know, uh, my, my Joe Flacco playing time tracker mm. I'm behind on that. So I'm a little embarrassed to that. I did not know that that information was out there. Oh, uh, we can't so edit anyway, it out now. It's too your embarrassing. Thoughts on that trade. Do you have any thoughts on this trade? Uh, my thought is that it was insane as we talked about that they were assigned <laughs> him to that deal, but I guess like yeah. kind of bailed out by a just really mm-hmm. dumb move by former Eagles vice president and player personnel, Joe Douglas, which like, why are you, it's not a Jets podcast. We don't have to get fully into why, how it's so dumb for them as a bad team to give up any kind of asset for a player that this is like makes this, who cares? Sign someone off someone's practice squad. Like don't give up a pick. Like, why would you do that? It's so dumb for them. So that's the only thing I can say. And this is, this is to where, you know, I criticize Harry Rosen a lot and it's deserved. This is why I think like everyone's like, how could Jeffrey Lurie keep him around? It's not this exact trade. You know, it's not meaningful enough to keep him around in my opinion to be clear, but like this kind of stuff where he can take advantage of some bad GMs. So it's not a master stroke, but you know, it's a good deal because they got anything trades. Yeah, sure. But But, also like he was Flacco was bad for the jets last year. He was and four for them and really only played like one half decent game. The other ones are all pretty brutal. (laughs) So like, I don't, again, I, I love Joe Douglas. I think Joe Douglas is like a really good dude. And, uh, I've, I've enjoyed every conversation I've ever had with that guy. But uh, I don't know what Joe's doing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so how about the Gardner Minshew angle of it all, Jimmy? Because I think a lot of people coming out of this trade were like, uh-oh, Gardner Minshew on the rise. He's, well, he is, and he's now oh, he's finally. On the rise. yeah. Well, I mean, he is literally because he's the number two quarterback now. He will be active for the first time all season on game day behind Hertz. And I think a lot of people out there, shout out to uh, former great Eagles blogger at 
Eagles blog, uh, Derek Sarley, who had a, his first tweets to me in over like a year were about the Gardner Minshew, like he, like the, the Joe Flacco trade being about Gardner Minshew kind of like that trade setting the stage for like, it's going to happen. Basically, he said it's inevitable. I think other people elsewhere have kind of have been saying that as well. That wasn't necessarily my takeaway when I saw it. Like that wasn't my first thought, but I get how it could be. Um, do you think Jalen Hurts is on borrowed time? So all along, I've kind of maintained uh, in terms of, you know, do you bench Jalen Hurts at any time? I've always said, what's the benefit? Like, I don't like I don't think you just bench him because he's not like he's not playing that great um, because, you know, Joe Flacco and Gardner Minshew aren't get weren't getting you to the playoffs. If you're the Eagles, like, if you're at the point where you're benching your quarterback, those guys aren't saving your season. So what's the point? And you know what do you what do you gain to, to what do you stand to gain by benching Jalen Hurts when he can still you know get more playing time and perhaps improve over the rest of the season? Even if he's not going to be your starter going forward, you know maybe he's part of your plans as a backup uh, down the line. Who knows? But like I think the more he plays, the in theory anyway, the better he'll get. The best argument that I have seen for benching Jalen Hurts, and I and I'm kind of coming around on this is that you have a lot of really young skill position players on the offense from Devontae Smith to Jalen Rager to Quez Watkins. And if you even want to throw Dallas Goddard in there, then you can do that too. And if your quarterback just isn't getting those guys the ball, if he's just so bad that he's sort of holding those guys back from, you know, being able to compete and perform on the field. And there's a quarterback who's better and can, you know, put those guys in a better position to actually make plays and progress as players then I think that's a valid reason to bench Jalen Hurts. Now, as far as like, when do you do it? How do you do it? I think that the way they can do it with the least amount of pain uh, organizationally is if they do it in game, sort of like they did it last Mm -hmm. year with Carson Wentz, where Wentz got benched, you know, right around halftime of like, I think it was the first or second drive during that Packers game. Jalen Hurts comes in, plays pretty well actually in that game. And then, it became sort of clear that like Hertz is going to you know start the next game because of how he played in the second half of that Packers game. So if that happens with Jalen Hurts, they bench him in game. Gardner Minshew comes in and he's clearly playing better than Jalen Hurts. Then you can move forward with Minshew the following week. If uh, you bench Hurts and Minshew comes in and he doesn't play well, then it's pretty easy to just put Hurts right back in there. Similarly to like what the Panthers did this past week. With Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold got benched in game. They brought in I forget the backup's name, uh, but the guy uh, that played PJ Walker, Temple, PJ yeah. Walker. Um, he didn't play well. He was like three for fourteen or something like that. And now they're going right back to Darnold in, in the next week. So I think they will save themselves a lot of heartache by benching him in game if they are going to do it, um, as opposed to <laughs> making some kind of announcement or like or having the you know Minshew take all the reps uh, during the week of practice. Um, leading up to him potentially starting. Uh, I mean, it's because that'll get out too that, you know, he's going to be the starter instead. And, uh, I mean, all the floodgates open in terms of, um, you know, all the, all the, I mean, WIP's talking about it all day, 975's talking about it all day. We're talking about it. Everybody's writing about it. And it becomes like, you know, one of the biggest stories of, of the season for the Eagles. So I think just to kind of, do it in game is probably the way it will go down if they do eventually bench him. I don't know if I fully agree with that. And okay. I guess looking at the schedule, um, I don't know exactly when it would happen. Like I'm looking here and I am seeing that, you know, obviously the buy 
uh, isn't until week 14. So do they wait until like the week 14? Jimmy right now is changing his, uh, is taking his sweater off. And I don't know if you can hear hot, anything. Yeah. Did you hear anything I was saying in there? <laughs> I, I could hear you through the headphones. Yeah. Okay. I was, just, I was like trying to stall about like, cause I, I wanted <laughs> no, to I get you. your thoughts on something. Okay. Um, yeah. So the, the buy is week 14. Like, so do they, like, does it get to that long? Cause I think, I mean, they play the Jets right before the bye. So if they lose, if Jalen Hurts is somehow still starting till that point and, and they lose to the Jets somehow, I think it would be natural to maybe want to get a look. Cause at that point, you're definitely eliminated from the playoffs too. It's like, yeah. why not just get a different look here? Also, from a standpoint of like, I don't think this should be the top priority to be clear, but like at some level, the Eagles and football and the NFL is an entertainment product. And at some point, trotting Jalen Hurts out there week after week to kind of get the same results and he's mm-hmm. not really looking any different. Like, aren't you kind of just tempted to be like, hey, we kind of like it's it just I mean, selfishly, I would want to see it just from like, let's see something new because this is like boring and we're not learning anything Uh that shouldn't always drive a team's factors but yeah i don't know so a long winded way of saying like i don't know exactly when it would happen here like when i look at the schedule i don't like have a great idea i think in theory it could happen as soon as this sunday if jalen hurts like went out and threw like four picks on his first four drives or something like that i think that's not out of the question um but i think they're riding with hurts for a little bit more and to be clear here too like when you make the switch to Minshew, I don't think all of a sudden like he's your franchise guy. I I don't think. Right, of course. Yeah, I don't think either guy is the franchise guy. I think it's pretty clear. I mean, there's like a non-zero percent chance I think Gardner Minshew could be at this point, but it's pretty low for me. You know, we're talking about like one percent, two percent, or something. Uh, so I think it is going to happen at some point. I don't know when. All right, so rank this in likelihood of order: benched, midweek, benched, in game not benched at all um i would say benched i want to say benched midweek one bench in game two and benched not at all i think there's a i think gardner Minshew is going to be playing snaps for this team at some point before the end of the season i mean maybe that's an injury too like i'm accounting for that but i think there's like a hundred percent chance he at least plays a snap or some snaps for this team okay all right moving on the rest of the offense i mean we we've seen like I mean, we, we've talked in the pod, about on the podcast all year about how the Eagles game plans have not been good. <laughs> and like Nick Sirianni situationally, uh, hasn't been good. You know, of course, this week we have the flower analogy that everyone has kind of hopped onto and, and made fun of, uh, all week or last couple of days or whatever. Um, but you know, Hertz and Sirianni, and we, you know, we've well documented, I think, the struggles that Nick Sirianni's had game plan wise and that kind of stuff hurts and Sirianni aside, what other issues do you see uh, on this Eagles offense? I mean, like I think they're, you know, they, they didn't, the game wasn't just on them, obviously why they lost to the Raiders, but like they could have done better. Like the Raiders defense is not tremendous or anything. Um, And the first drive was good. And, you know, maybe Miles Sanders doesn't get hurt. Uh, the fumble, obviously, Kenny Gainwell's fumble, which yeah. is close to a close play, hurt them. But, like, man, I just – this offense goes so dry, though, like like they did in the middle of the game. And then they come back. It's kind of infuri- – it, not, not kind of. It is infuriating to me <laughs> how this team comes alive in garbage time because, it like, it hides how bad these performances actually are. They're down 30 – what? It was a 30-7 to 7 against the Raiders. And it comes back and the final score is only like 11 or whatever. Like same thing with the Buccaneers. Like that wasn't a one score game. Their loss to the Bucks. That was nearly, not nearly as competitive as the final score showed. So, um, it's frustrating to me how this offense can just go so dry. To me, 
it's not only the quarterback, of course, but when you're missing throws that are there to be made, when the accuracy isn't there. I mean, some of those throws to Devontae Smith, like, I think Devontae, to his fault, like, didn't catch them, even though they weren't perfect and needs to kind of catch them, but that's a different mm-hmm. topic. But, like, can we just put a ball on someone, like, right where it's supposed to be? Like, it's a slant. It's not even like you're asking him to make, like, you know, some incredible, you know, fade, touchdown, pat, like, something incredibly complicated. It's just, like, they can't do basic stuff well. Um, what about you? Yeah. Um, it's I, actually, I wanted to piggyback off your point that, you know, they, they start, they start off games okay. And, uh, they score a lot of points and gain a lot of yards and garbage time and everything in the middle. I mean, there's just not, they just are terrible in the second and third quarters. And, uh, Sirianni actually even got asked about that. Uh, maybe not that specifically, but that was part of his answer where like he, they start out okay and they end fine. And, uh, in the middle, it's bad. And it's funny because like that happened to come up during the, Sunday night football telecast. Do you watch the uh, Mannings thing or do you just watch the game? I, I sometimes I flip back and forth. Cause uh, Tom Brady was on this week and he was talking about mm-hmm. how the eight minutes uh, surrounding halftime, like four minutes, I guess he meant four minutes on each side of, of the half. He like, he called that like one of the most important portions of the game. Um, well, think and- back to, to jump in there. Think back to the Eagles win over the Falcons, right? Right there. Boom. And anyway. all during the 2017 season, like that team dominated before and after the half, and so especially like before the end of the first half. It's like and the guts this, of the game, right? Th- this this team just has been terrible in that in that portion in that time frame of of games this year. Uh, but as far as like the rest of the offense, obviously they have the offensive line issues uh, with the injuries. But for me, like I think that Jalen Hurts just his repetitive accuracy it's non-existent. Like he'll put a, he'll put he'll throw like a nice ball every now and again. But, and we saw this all throughout training camp. I, I think, you know, he they just the, the continual accuracy just isn't there. And, and he misses a lot of throws that um, you would expect uh, any starting NFL quarterback to, to make relatively easy. And, um, you know, he makes some, some spectacular plays here and there, but um, they're just offset. And then some by the layups that he's leaving on the field and um it's a big issue and and uh you know we haven't seen um you know his strengths be accentuated by Nick Sirianni and we haven't seen his weaknesses sort of been be negated by Nick Sirianni's game plans so you know everyone's kind of at fault there but um it's just an offense that's not working right now on the other side the defense is just an abomination <laughs> like it, it's just basically like Death by, you know, a thousand paper cuts. You know, we talked to, I mean, said in the open, Derek Carr was, uh, you know, 31 of 34. Uh, that's that's so insane. Crazy. And it's the third time that. It doesn't happen. <laughs> it's, I'm sorry, not the third time. It's the fourth time. Uh, credit, uh, Ruben Frank for the statistic. I forget like how many games he said that the Eagles had, had played with, um, uh, quarter, the opposing quarterback throwing at least, you know, 80% with, with, you know, 80% completion percentage. It was something, it was like eight monstrous out of number ever. And yeah. then this year it's like four out of four, four out of seven. Yeah. <laughs> where, where the uh, opposing quarter, opposing starting quarterback, you know, has completed, uh, over 80% of their passes. And it's just, I mean, you, they park the safeties, you know, mile off the line of scrimmage. The linebackers aren't equipped to, I mean, do anything really. I mean, they, they haven't been good against the run or the pass uh, this season. And then the defensive line has been just a total 
uh, disappointment this year in their ability to get to the passer, uh, Javon Hargrave aside. Um, what do you think is worse right now, the offense or the defense? Well, I think the offense is worse from a standpoint of it mattering more, you know, right? Like, I think if the okay. defense was, I mean, this bad is, you know, a stretch, but like long term, I'm more worried about the offense. Like, I think the defense, you can, cause you have to get the offense to an elite level. Like, that's the, that's the bar it needs to be at. The, the defense, if you can just get it to kind of be mediocre, then you can kind of live with that, as I've said before. Um, but I mean, the, the defense is pathetic here, to be clear. <laughs> I mean, uh, over the last five games, uh, or, or since week three, no one is allowing more points than the Eagles, except the aforementioned New York Jets. Yeah. Um, the NFL record for completion percentage in a single season is Drew Brees, who completed 74.4 of his passes in 2018. And that's the exact completion percentage the Eagles are allowing this Crazy. year, which is dead last in the NFL. <laughs> like, this is, it's, it's ins- these are like insane numbers to cite. Like, this is like, <laughs> right. this doesn't even feel real. Um, so, I mean, and then there's the, like, I think the one word to describe the Eagles defense, like the perfect word is toothless. Like it is a toothless defense. Like it is just so like soft and weak. And it's just like Steven Nelson was on with uh, Mark Farzetta this week. I don't know if you saw this, Jimmy, but Mm -hmm. he he said the Eagles scheme is like genius. Um, And (laughs) it's like, Okay. Uh, I get, I get the idea of what the Eagles are trying to do. And I think there's like some logic to a a style where, you know, you're not allowing the big play, but like just the way they allow so many things underneath is insane. Like, and, and to their credit, they are allowing, uh, they've given up just six completions of 20 or more yards, air yards, which is the third fewest in the NFL, but they allow an NFL high 79.6% of throws under 20 yards to be completed. That comes from uh sports info solutions. Shout out to good friend, uh, Joe Dolan for tweeting that out. So, uh, it's just crazy how, especially against the good quarterbacks, like, like how can this be your best plan? Like, how can this be like the best thing you draw up coming into a week? Like, there's no creativity with it. There's no like disguise. You just sit back there. The uh, the quarterback picks you apart. The players are getting like demoralized because there's mm-hmm. no energy to feed off of. There's never like, you know, a big play where they get a tackle for, or, or, you know, like maybe there's a sack or a tackle for loss here and there, but there isn't like, you know, Hey, we forced a punt and now we're all, you know, getting like juiced up. No, it's just like, we're constantly just letting the team do whatever they want to us. So, uh, and you, you have to count for that because it's like, as my good friend, James Seltzer would say, athletes are like humans too. Like this is, there's a human element to this. There's like momentum and, yeah. and, and all of that. And I just think this defense is, it's just garbage really to me like, I, I get the overall theory but this can't be your only thing like you can't just like this can't be the best thing you have to offer it just can't be like, you can't just be like oh we get more players and this defense is amazing like like really is it that simple the one thing i will say uh, to defend the defense a li- I, and i defend is probably the wrong word because i don't want to defend them but like the three of the games they played against i mean you're talking about they, play, they played the best quarterback in the history of the, of, of the NFL in one game. They played the best quarterback in the NFL right now in Patrick Mahomes. They played Dak Prescott and a Cowboys offense that's absolutely loaded. So at least they've, you know, had some of these bad games against some like ridiculously good offenses. So maybe you forgive yeah. that a tiny little bit, but this Raiders offense, which has some good players and has an accurate quarterback in Derek Carr, still that like that offense should not be just and with Darren Waller out, by the way. I was going to say, missing their like, best player. And not only missing him, but missing him unexpectedly. Like, wasn't, yes. like, ruled out. Like, was a game-time yeah. decision, basically. You can't be letting that that offense do what they did to, to you on Sunday. Uh, whereas on the other side of the ball, the offense really hasn't faced, like, a lot of good defenses, really. In fact, they've 
played some frankly terrible defenses and not only terrible defenses, but defenses that like have had a lot of guys uh, injured and like on injured reserve and just out and uh, had a chance to game plan to, um, you know, take advantage of uh, take advantage of like guys that are injured, like a lot of big, you know, a lot of corners missing from a lot of these teams that they've played. And uh, I think the opportunity has been there more for the offense to, to excel than the defense has. And look at the first, look look the first two weeks of the season defense, like played obviously really well against Atlanta. Um, You know, they're not loaded or anything, obviously they played better since then. Uh, They played really well against the 49ers. Uh, Of course, Jimmy Garoppolo, kind of stunk in that game uh so you know whatever but uh they've at least have you know played okay against some of like the non-elite offenses whereas the offense has just kind of been bad across the board with the exception of that one atlanta game that's and, like and their the best game too i guess yeah i mean eh, Chiefs defense is so bad um the it just feels like their best strategy is like let's just play a bad quarterback like that's the best thing the defense has going for them like let's play <laughs> right. Sam Darnold who absolutely stinks by the way and that game to me continues to look like just not an accomplishment for the Eagles <laughs> right. at all like Sam Darnold is freaking horrible he got benched for an for an XFL player and PJ Walker um and then so uh and then obviously Matt Ryan in week one and I think the week one win the more I think about it by the way is looking more and more of just like Nick Sirianni was kind of right when he was talking about like we're going to have this competitive advantage of mm-hmm. no one knowing necessarily what we're going to do. And now obviously Arthur Smith was a first time head coach as well, but he, you know, he had been a play caller. So kind of a different thing, right. but it seems like that was their best thing. And honestly, I was thinking about this a little bit too. Let me maybe weigh in if I'm wrong. Wouldn't you say like two of Jalen Hurts's very best games, maybe like against the Saints last year and week one this year came when like, when they didn't like a team didn't necessarily have like a full you know scouting report on him mm-hmm. in the NFL like like right. kind of came yeah you because know, it was the first start with Doug and the first start with Sirianni so I've kind of thought about that too like you can't just and that's the thing like, you can't rely on that obviously you can't just catch people off guard at some point like you have to be able to execute when people were know what you're doing but they just, you just can't stop it anyway um so and and he played well against the Packers too and he came into that game right mid game obviously. So, and that's something you see, I think, in the NFL in general. Sometimes, you know, a backup comes in and you just, they, they haven't been scouted. So it's kind of, they just give you mm-hmm. like a fresh look and you can almost benefit. But to me, you know, it's as with anything, Jimmy, I think it's very tempting for people to want to point the finger at one thing and make that the thing. Cause it'd be very conf- convenient for the Eagles if you could only change one thing and flip the switch and everything is fine. But I think the reality is like there's more than one thing can be true. And it's all bad. Everything is bad. There's nothing redeeming here. What do you, what are you hanging your hat on, really? If you're the Eagles here, like what is what do you point to and be like, well, at least we have this, and it's it's the draft picks early next year. Okay, mm-hmm. literally no one has the faith that Howie Roseman is going to make those picks correctly. <laughs> right. So right. great. Yeah, and beyond like the draft picks, um, we talked a little bit about this off the air. Not that anyone needs to know that, but um, with those draft picks, I mean they're pretty much going to be earmarked for quarterback, whether that's somebody that you trade for like a veteran, whether it's somebody that you draft. Uh, I guess those are the only two options, really. but like uh, those are the options. And it's not a good um, year. I mean, it's not that it's, I don't think this is a terrible year for the draft in terms of quarterbacks, but it's certainly not anything close to what this past draft was with five guys being taken in the top 15 picks. Um, you know, I think Matt Corral is a you know, good prospect. Uh, Malik Willis from Liberty, I think is a good prospect. But beyond that, there's not a lot. The guy from Pitt, whose name is escaping me. Like, Kenny you know, Pickett. Some people, some people like him. Yes. Um, 
but like, I mean, it's, it's not close to what this past uh, draft class was. So are you hanging your hat on getting a guy like that? Uh, are you, you know, hoping to trade for like a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers? Because mm-hmm. I think if you, if you go after one of those guys, like one of those guys has to actually want to be here and mm-hmm. they're not going to want, like, I don't want to, you know, have to speak for Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, but like, if you're one of those guys, you want to, like, you want to come to this organization right now, the way it's constructed and the way the roster looks, the way like the, you know, the, the coaching staff, because it's sort of operated the way that like the front office has conducted itself over the last four or five years. Like, no, he's going to want to, they're going to want to go somewhere else if they, if they're going to wind up on another team. So, you know, even though they have these high picks, you know, what exactly are you solving? Like, so like, okay, you can maybe draft positional players and build around a quarterback of the future. But I think we know that the MO of this team is not to do that. First of all, but then also, like, it just, it still kind of doesn't matter. Like, as long as you don't have a quarterback, you have nothing in the NFL. So, you, like you said, like, there's very little to kind of hang your hat on other than those picks. And again, like, the confidence level and what they actually do with them. I mean, if you're realistic, it can't, like, you can't be super fired up about it. You're just kicking the can down the road <laughs> if you don't get the quarterback. And I think it's easy that's, to want to be to all do doom that. and gloom. Sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we'll get into this in the second segment, but I think that's where the team is right now. It's just about being honest, Jimmy. Um, I look, I, I really prefer professionally and personally for my mental health, for my job. I would love for the Eagles to do oh, well. Yeah. I would for love sure. to be seeing their, I really would. I am not kidding about that at all, but unfortunately it's not. And I feel like the only way to maybe help it get better is being honest about it and talking about it and helping people come together on that point and having it be a sentiment that continues to get out there. And I think some of that is changing, um, but we'll see who knows. Uh, yeah. I, but the last thing I'll say in the quarterback thing before we take a break here is like, if you don't solve it now, like when are you going to solve it though? Like, you know, are you going to be like Washington and be like, we can just kick the can down the road. And, but then you're stuck because then you're, you're kind of, you know, you don't have that top pick and you're kind of just stuck in the middle. Like, what are you hoping to be? What team are you hoping to be like? Are you hoping to be like the Bucks who had Tom Brady fall on their laps? Like, you can't count on that. Or, you know, like, like, I just don't understand, like, where you think you're going to get the quarterback from. Like, it's, it's very nice in theory to be like, we'll build this awesome roster and we'll just drop the quarterback in. Okay. But how are you getting that quarterback? Like, what are <laughs> right. you, and if you're not using your picks from this year, then how are you getting it? Like, cause you have the picks now. You're not going to have them if you use them to build the roster. So I just, I don't understand, like, what you do. It's, it's not a good spot. And I don't have the right, I'm not saying like you have to draft someone or whatever. I don't have the answer. I'm just saying it's not a good spot to be in. Um, all right. You ready to take a break, Jimmy? Yeah. <sighs> okay. <laughs> well, BGN Radio brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Um, go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN for 15% off your order. For as much as the Eagles might not be good right now, Righteous Felon is oppositely very good. And I guarantee you're going to enjoy it if you have it. So RighteousFelon.com. Discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. Give it a try. You're helping support a local business. You're helping support your favorite Eagles podcast, BGN Radio. So it's a win for everyone involved. And you're getting yourself some great snacks. So go do it or you are a coward. Jimmy. Back after this. Back here on VGN Radio, Jimmy, and one thing that you had in the segment one notes that we didn't talk about is, and I quote, Fletcher is in Fletcher Cox is in stage one quit mode. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, we saw, I'm sure you saw, I guess, like his post game press conference where, I mean, he was very unhappy with the way he's used. Um, doesn't want to play the screens anymore. He's, he said he's not paid to, to, you know, cover screens. He's, he's paid to sack the quarterback. He's done neither this year. Uh, he said that, um, he is used to playing more aggressively than he's asked to do in this scheme. He wants to, you know, penetrate and get into the backfield and make plays in the backfield. And, uh, he was set up in Jim Schwartz's offense or excuse me, defense, um, to do that for five years. And, uh, even before that, like they played a three, four in, um, in, uh, the Chip Kelly offense did a little bit of uh two gapping there, but I think for the most part, he was allowed to, you know, be aggressive and try to make plays in the backfield. He's been blessed, uh, over the course of his entire career with playing in defenses that allowed him to be aggressive and go and make plays. Not every defensive lineman, uh, sort of gets that, to, you know, sort of has that over the bulk of their career. And, um, you know, I think there are opportunities for him to make plays in the backfield in this in this defense. I mean, certainly we've seen mm-hmm. Javon Hargrave make them. He's got what six sacks, something like that this this year, yep. five and a half. Um, he's he's made plays. Uh, Fletcher Cox has, you know, he gets double teamed a little bit here and there. I think the double teams are more about you know where guys are lining up. If they're you know the guy who's lined up closest to the center, normally is the guy who's getting double teamed, as opposed to you know opposing offensive line. Lines, you know, finding where Fletcher Cox is pre-snap and making sure they double team him. That's not really happening this year. And he's gotten plenty of single team opportunities where he's had a chance to, to beat guys man to man and, and man on man. And, and he just hasn't done it. Um, and, you know, he talked about, you know, not being able to be aggressive, uh, in, in this current scheme and, and was very critical of, uh, of Jonathan Gannon's defense. And, you know, you and I both don't like Jonathan Gannon's defense, and I don't think anyone else has any reason to either, but it's just not something that you can say to the press after a game when you're a team captain. Like, you just can't do it. And his effort on the field just really hasn't been good. Like, you just look at his body language and, um, you know, the, the way that the, I mean, he's, he has a chance to be aggressive. He's choosing not to be aggressive in these games. So, like, it's, it's just sort of, um, uh, you don't want to have, the, the player on the roster who a lot of people think is the best player on the team, um, you know, speaking that way after games, you don't want to see that player having that kind of body language, uh, during games. And, um, I think when you have that kind of guy, it can trickle down to the younger, um, I guess, um, you know, guys that can be influenced, uh, by that kind of thing. And, and, uh, Fletcher Cox, in my opinion, is, is, um, you know, obviously a great eagle. He's been one of the best players on this maybe maybe the best player uh over on this team over the past decade uh certainly on defense he has been but um it's disappointing to kind of see the way that this season has gone for him i do not buy that fletcher cox is like only limited this year because of the scheme uh i think you'd agree with that like i think there's a couple things happening here i think the scheme necessarily isn't maximizing him but he is also just not the same player that he used Mm -hmm. to be and i think maybe some of his frustration not all of it could derive from that kind of you know a player in denial about what they are at this stage in their career like it's oh i'm not the problem it's the scheme that's the Mm -hmm. entire problem so i think there's some of that in there um but uh yeah i mean The frustrating thing, though, Jimmy, is like there's an argument to me made that Fletcher Cox shouldn't have been on this team to begin with. An argument made by yourself, uh, or at least you know maybe going up to the deadline didn't necessarily have to say before the season. But 
Uh, and it kind of speaks to a bigger issue. It's not just like a one player kind of thing. Before I get into that, I wanted to say real quickly. Um, so I think one of the plays he was talking about with that screen thing was when it was a third, it was the third and 15 when the Eagles had accepted the holding penalty when they could just have the Raiders punt and the punt team yeah. was coming on, which is a whole nother story. <laughs> and like Fletcher Cox, who is the team's highest paid player gets off the snap and apparently is like designed to get in the way of a running back like for to kill out a screen or a check down mm-hmm. on third and 15 your highest paid player on the team being asked to do that instead of maybe i don't know rush the quarterback like right, the more right. valuable that's just like so that's that's like it doesn't make sense like what are we doing here um so i understand frustration on like on a play like that but um speaking to the bigger issue you just wrote Jimmy that uh the Eagles should have traded Fletcher Cox and it's too late now. Um are people apologizing to you when you said that in the <laughs> off season and everyone's like, How could you possibly trade Fletcher Cox? <laughs> yeah, Bryce Treggs uh really got on me on that one. But yeah, I wrote that in J- in uh, July that they I mean that they should be looking for Fletcher Cox trade opportunities because I thought it was, you know, kind of clear that he's not the same player that he was when he was an elite player. Uh, I still thought he was a very good player, mm-hmm. um, but his he was clearly on the downside of his career. He was the most expensive player on the team. Like his cap numbers were like twenty three million uh, this year, and I think it was also like twenty three million next year. Um, and if they had, if they had traded him with a with a June one designation, it would have been um, a, a dead money cap hit of like twenty one million. And you know that's tough to take. They would it would have um, you know that would have been split up over 2021 and 2022, but they had been out of that contract. And theoretically that had gotten a good trade piece back for him at the time. I mean, this seems silly now, maybe after the season that he's had through the first seven games, but I thought that like a late two was, you know, a reasonable asking price uh, for him. You know, maybe you get that, maybe you get something a little bit less. Um, but it was a, it was a, it, it sort of speaks to what the Eagles used to be really good at in their front office, which mm-hmm. was, assessment of their own players, valuation of their own players. And they're really good at, you know, letting players go a year early as opposed to a year or two too late. And we've seen too many times recently where they let that where players just stay on the roster far longer than they should. And they wind up, you know, eating up a big chunk of their salary cap. And they, they like their, their, their importance on the roster is relied on uh, to a heavy degree and they get hurt or they underperform. And you have this player that you're counting on who now isn't performing. And it's been a big issue over the last really like four or five years, I'd say, where they just have these continuous problems of, of these players sticking around too long. And, you know, if they were contenders, no way. You don't like, you're not going to trade Fletcher Cox. It's crazy. Like he can still, if he can still play and he can help you maybe get to the playoffs and, and make her playoff run, maybe get to the Super Bowl. Of course, you're not going to trade mm-hmm. him, but this is a team that like was very clearly not a Super Bowl contender and almost very likely, you know, also very likely, you know, not to win the division or, or get in in a wild card or anything like that. So if, you know, you're not going to compete for the playoffs or, or Super Bowl and you have this trade chip and you can get something good for him, you may as well do it before it's too late and then um you know they they instead they went the total opposite direction <laughs> they restructured his contract and now he's like definitely on the roster through at least this season and um you know probably through next year as well they do have some options with him where they can cut uh, or trade him next year but who's going to want him next year at this point um if he continues to play this way um and you know sort of act the, the way he's acted uh the last week or two um 
so whatever like it's it's just uh sort of uh, it's been a continuous problem with this front office we go and you know one example i gave was alshon jeffrey where mm-hmm. i thought he was clearly in decline i mean the the move that they made with him was a lot worse like that that was an extreme example of you know they got, they got him to take like a really small pay cut and in return they guaranteed his full salary the following season like the risk versus reward just wasn't there by any stretch so it's not that necessarily but it is another example of like a mis a misvaluation of you know the players on your own roster and overrating your own players which is what i think they did here again and Harry Roseman has literally said this he's yes. literally admitted to being like too sentimental about his players and this i believe that was in the press conference um before the 2020, after the, right after the 2019 season, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy because like, okay, it's one thing to say it, Howie, but then it's another thing to like continue to do it and <laughs> not like get away from that. Ah, I'm so disillusioned, Jimmy. Kind of, I think <laughs> this parlaying this, cause like you said, it's not just about this one specific situation. It's not like a one off that we're talking about. It's like, this is emblematic of a bigger issue. And biggest reason why I have been kind of just honestly feeling, and I've seen a lot of, Eagles fans talk about this too. I feel like they're checked out on this team because like, what are you buying into here? Again, it kind of goes back to the hang your hat question, but like, okay, you know, Eagles fan, you love the Eagles. I get that. But like, what specifically about this team do you feel good about? Do you like, like, I think the Eagles, Jimmy, are a team that thinks they are so much smarter than you. It's like it, and it feels like a slap in the face if you're a fan. Like, like they know better. Howie Roseman, he's doing a bad job at personal. Actually, no, he's not. And he's going to help us build a great team for the, for the future. Like when you talk about Howie Roseman, Jimmy, and you look at his peers, I went back today and I looked at all the decision makers and it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's a tough list to make here because some of these top decision makers, for example, are like Jerry Jones, you know, who's also mm-hmm. the owner of the team, and like right. Mike Brown, Mike Brown, the Bengals. Yeah. But then you have like Bill Belichick in here too, who's a head coach and has mm-hmm. the power. And then you have a complicated structure, maybe kind of like where Pete Carroll, I think, is in charge. But you know, John Snyder has a role too. But whatever, any any kind of way you parse it, there, if you look at kind of like the, the the top decision makers, there's only six other GMs who have been in their spot either as long as Howie or longer. And it's Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, uh, Kevin Colbert of the Steelers, GM, mm-hmm. uh, Mickey Loomis from the Saints, Jerry Jones, obviously we know, and Mike Brown. And really, Mike Brown, I think my big takeaway here is I feel really bad for Bengals fans because <laughs> Mike Brown <laughs> Bengals have been a disaster. Yeah. Um, but like, Harry Roseman does not rank among his peers. Like, he is below them. He is second to last in win percentage. He is second to last in seasons of double digit wins. If you take the percentage of seasons, if you go by the highest or the lowest amount of uh losing seasons, how he ranks second to last on that list. Like, I just don't understand why Jeffrey Lurie thinks like it's so unthinkable that you could get rid of your general manager. Like it's crazy to me. Like this is the NFL. Like you get you hire coaches and GMs to fire them. Like you cycle through. It's part of it's like a healthy thing to do, I feel like. It's you're keeping there a guy there for too long. Like issues start to pop up. I think it's in his head, it's like, oh, this is a model of stability. But like what is stable here? And what are they really winning? There are I think the Eagles, Jimmy, think that this is a year where they're taking their lumps and 
and they've kind of alluded to this too in a way that like this always had to happen like the the cycle of them trying to compete and push all their chips in for the super bowl it was always going to result in a year like this and that is garbage that is not true at all because you didn't have to draft poorly you didn't have to make terrible free agent signings and do the offshore contract thing and give up a third round pick for golden tate and do all the stupid stuff that you, like you didn't have to do that that was yeah. not decisions that had to be made and maximized your chance of winning you're in this spot now where you have four teams with fewer wins than the Eagles since the beginning of last year and that is the Jets the Giants the Texans and the Lions like that's your company right now it's not the Saints and the Patriots and the Seahawks and the Steelers and these like that's who the Eagles think they are like in league with and they're going to go through this transition year and they're going to come out on the other side clean like Andy Dufresne crawling through the tunnel (laughs) crap and the Shawshank Redemption like that's not the situation they're in they're they're, and that's what that's what freaking drives me crazy the most and people say oh you're too negative about the team and everything but it's just like it's just it doesn't even feel fun and it's so hard to root for them because like they're not being realistic and this isn't just about front running to me like I can take bad teams it's not about the Eagles being bad I watched Jimmy like almost every single freaking game and I think you know this of the process Sixers and I liked Mm -hmm. it because like they had a vision this is building towards something like okay we're moving towards something like this idea that the Eagles are rebuilding and it's anything similar to the Sixers it's like it's a total farce and that's what this whole thing has felt like all along like Nick Sirianni oh he's going to be better than Doug he's going to actually coach the players strengths and blah it's all garbage like this isn't the hard reset that I called for that you called for that you wrote an article last year that said it's like it's time to blow it up and it has been it's overdue they didn't do it they didn't wipe the slate clean they're doing this half-assed kind of half measure rebuilding retooling (laughs) thing like and it's it's not working and it's so frustrating and one last thing I'll say here before give you a chance to react um (laughs) good tweet here from uh, reader slash listener, uh, Nick underscore field 90 on Twitter, who pointed out to me that 538 has, uh, ELO rating system that mm-hmm. tracks an NFL franchise throughout the entire history. And the Eagles have been below average since week one of 2020. It's the longest stretch since the drought from week 10 of 1997 to week seven of the year 2000. And for people who don't know, um, like ELO is a method, uh, to kind of rate NFL teams across decades of play. Uh, it's a simple measure based on strength, based on game by game results. So, you know, it's an, it's an analytic model, but like the point is like they're in a bad spot and I think they're in a much worse spot right now because you're not seeing very many positives from the team this year. And I think they're delusional about it. And it just, it drives me insane because I just, I don't have hope to me. Give me hope or something. <laughs> I got nothing for you, buddy. I think uh, everything you said is, is just pretty much true. Uh, I got nothing to add, man. Like I think you pretty much just uh, covered it all. There. <laughs> I just I I want them to be good, Jimmy. I don't want them to be bad. I you know the, the I, one thing it's I, in this. The, the, sorry, the, the one thing that I, that I will say about like the the list of uh you know GMs that have been in place, uh, yeah. decision makers or whatever you want to call them that have been in place since 2010. All those teams have something in common. Um, that, as you mentioned, it's either team owners or it's really successful teams, and they wouldn't be around since 2010 unless they were like all really successful teams over that over that span. Like I think every I think even every team that you mentioned. Uh, in that list, uh, has won a Super Bowl under yes. the decision makers that were in there, with the Except exception Mike of the Brown. teams yeah. that um, that uh, you know have an owner as a, as a, as a decision maker. So um, 
And Howie Roseman certainly falls in that bucket too, but he's not had the same level of success as all the other teams on that list, with the exception no. of the Bengals and the Cowboys. Again, owners of the whether owner is the primary decision well, maker. Well, I mean, at least the and Jerry Jones won three Super Bowls towards the beginning. I'm was, talking you know, about I'm like not, during the span yeah. that Howie Roseman. Okay, been the, the, gotcha. The, the yeah, main decision yeah. maker. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's an owner situation. Um, so you kind of just stuck, you know, kind of. And a lot of people would say, well, it's not actually Howie; it's you know Jeffrey Lurie, and you know, there's, I get that. There's some truth to that, but I, I have faith in, I have more faith in Jeffrey Lurie than I do in Howie Roseman. I think Jeffrey Lurie is a smart guy. I think maybe, maybe he isn't always thinking in the right way, but I think he does want to win. I, I do believe that in yes. my heart of hearts. I do believe that, and I'm not just saying this, but like, so I don't get in trouble. Like, I genuinely believe that. I think he cares a lot. And I think there will be a time where he realizes Hopefully, maybe that oh, actually, you know, Howie isn't the best guy to give us a chance to win and get this thing on track. And that's why kind of pivoting to this week's game, uh, Jimmy, that I think it might be best for this team if they lose to the Lions and kind of have <laughs> yeah. this wake up call moment. Um, but I feel like we can get into that to the next segment, unless you have anything else to say. I have one more thing on uh, on Jeffrey Lurie. Like I, he definitely wants to win. You're right, which, you know, I think every owner in the NFL wants to win. But I think Jeffrey Lurie is willing to go you know, to, to do whatever it takes to win. However, I also think that he wants his input heard and acted sure. on when he has like, uh, when he has strong feeling about something and Howie Roseman facilitates that. And I think that's part of the reason that Howie has been able to survive as long as he has. Okay. So I want to push back on that, but like, I get that, but like, I feel like Jeffrey Lurie had Andy Reid here, like he respected Andy's opinion. He didn't mm-hmm. always like make Andy just, Andy was not a yes man to me for Jeffrey Lurie. Like I think part of the, pro- like I get why Howie's doing that. Like it makes sense to help him keep his job. But basically like I would hope that Jeffrey Lurie could hire a GM that was a little bit more self-respecting and would stand up for himself and wouldn't just kowtow to the owner. And I know that's like easy that. for me to say, uh huh. He might not want that. He might. Yeah. I know, but like, but the <laughs> fact that he had Andy before, like, makes me think maybe he could respect that at some level. I think, I almost think though, it's like, it works in the way too, Jimmy, that like, Larry doesn't fully trust Howie, so he feels like he has to get more, like, he likes Howie, and he knows he does some certain things well, but he knows, he knows he doesn't do everything well, and he feels like he has to get more involved and almost like hold his hand, whereas I feel like maybe, if he was able to hire some bona fide stud GM, he would be a little bit more hands off and be like, okay, I actually trust you to do this. And I, I don't feel like I have to be as involved. And maybe I'm wrong. And maybe that's naive of me to think, but that's how I think about it. <laughs> okay. All right. Why don't we go to Jimmy. break and then we'll come back and we'll talk Lions, Eagles, and then we'll yeah. make our picks. So, uh, Kristen yeah, Roach. Kristen Roach of, of Roach Realtors. Roach Realtors.com. Uh, Roach com was recently voted by God. Uh, to be okay. the best realtor in the history of the universe. Uh, so if you're looking to buy or sell your house, it would be absolutely stupid to go against what God says. Uh, so call her at 856-906-9295. Again, that's 856-906-9295. Brandon? We will be back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours, Roach Real Tours. Kristen Roach of Roach Real Tours. She's the greatest. 856-906-9295. 856-906-9295. 
Nine, two, nine, five. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, let's get into our NFL picks against the spread. I figure we can talk about the Eagles-Lions game when we actually get to that pick. Okay, um, that's fair. We don't have to go through the matchups. or I mean, we'll do that very briefly, but... Right. Um, to set the stage here, I am now 14... Or, no, sorry. You are now 14 and 21 against the spread this year. I am 21 yes. and 14. I think we had all the same picks last year. I think we both went three and two. Not last year, last week. Um, so no change there. No one cares anyway. Eagles picks. We, you are five and two and I am six and one. All right. In this week's picks against the spread, which are brought to you by the SB Nation NFL show sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and you can use discount code SBNNFL altogether SBNNFL for a special offer. Okay. Jimmy, the Indianapolis Carson Wentz's are mm-hmm. one and a half point favorites at home against the Tennessee Titans. And what's a big game? Surprise me that the Titans aren't favored in this game. And I will take the Titans to win uh, outright. Um, I mean, you look at what the Titans have done the last couple of weeks. They beat the Bills and they beat the Chiefs. And not only beat the Chiefs, they stomped the Chiefs out last week. Um, this is a weird team because they're a little inconsistent. They be- they lost to the freaking Jets. In the same they- month, yeah. And then they beat the Bills and the Chiefs. So, you know, you kind of don't know what you're going to get there sometimes, I guess. But um, I-, I really like uh, the way that they handled themselves the last two weeks. And, you know, the Colts have a little bit of a winning streak going themselves. Uh, two games, they beat the Niners in a monsoon. And they, you know, they, they, I mean, they stomped all over the Houston Texans, which they should do, as every team in the NFL should do when they play the Houston Texans. Um, but yeah, I, I like the, I like what the Tex, or excuse me, what the Titans have done, uh, these last two weeks. And not only that, they, the Titans beat the Colts, uh, earlier this year fairly, uh, I don't want to say easily, but I think they pretty much had control of that game throughout. And they turned the ball over three times and they still won by, uh, two scores. So like, I, I, uh, just think the Titans are a better team. I like them to win outright. And uh, yeah, I'll take the point and a half uh, as long as you're going to give me that too. Yeah. Was that a point or a point and a half? Point and a half. Okay. I think there's a, it's a reason though. I think it's a, you got to trust the line here, Jimmy. I don't okay. think it's that simple. I don't think I, so I think the Titans are a little inconsistent and like they beat the bills, but that came down to the end where like Josh Allen somehow got, you know, stop short on, like, sneak. on the sneak. Yeah, yeah. Like, like the Bills, I think they played like the better team or at least, you know, very easily could have won that game. And it almost feels to me like the Titans aren't good enough to beat like the Bills, the Chiefs, and then the Colts like sweep their division, their top division rival. Um, I could be wrong here, but, and I don't hate the Titans or anything, but I feel like it's too easy and it's not annoying enough or yeah, it wouldn't be. It would be too easy if the Colts just lost this game because the Colts are going to win this game and we're going to get annoying talk about, oh, Carson Wentz is surging back and now he looks great and Frank Reich fixed him just because he beat the Texans and, and the 49ers. Um, so and for those reasons, I have the Colts winning this game. I have them by the one and a half. It's a, it's um, a it's so, very analytical, football analytical reason. Yes. It, well, it, it, you know, you have to read the vibes. I have a hat, Jimmy. The listeners <laughs> sure, can't see this. That says positive, positive vibes. vibes yeah. And it's all about reading the vibes. <laughs> Shout out to my good friend, Elizabeth, who got me this hat, uh, because she listens to BGN radio and she heard me talk about vibes so much that she got me a hat about it. And I huh, really okay. love it and appreciate it. Um, yeah. anyway, so we want the, the Eagles should be wanting the Titans to win this game though, right? I don't know. I, I, I was thinking about that because if they do win, what, they're three games up? On like the tiebreaker, yeah. Is it well? They're already two games up, aren't they? So if the 
They're five Titans and two. Win the scheme. And the Colts are three and four, right? Yeah, they would be three and five and three, and the Colts would be three and five. And the Titans. No, no, no. The Titans would be six and two. Oh, sorry. Yeah, six. Oh, yeah. My bad. Okay, six and two. So they'll be three games up plus Mm. the head-to-head sweep, and so they're essentially four games up at that point. And I mean, you got to think about the Titans as being like at that point, like ninety-five to ninety-eight percent chance winning the division, right? Something, something like crazy high like that. Right. which doesn't mean the Colts are going to pack it in because they could still get a wild card, but um, that might be a little too big a cushion. Yeah. So I, 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 I like if they lose though, like, you don't want the Colts to win the division though either. So right. it's, that's uh, the, eh, it's a tough call. That's the line you got to toe. That's why I think it was almost not good that the Titans beat. Cause I think last week you would have preferred the chiefs to beat the Titans and then yes. the Titans to one this week. And then you would have it kind of working out where it's a little bit closer like that. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think you kind of just have to live with whatever happened. I mean, obviously that's literally your only <laughs> yeah, choice, sure. but I think, I think in terms of like, I wouldn't like lose sleep if the, like either result. Um, so we'll monitor that one. Again, the I think it's only like week fourteen or week twelve, whatever it is that Carson Wentz needs to get to until he's more than halfway there. Or thirteen, I think he's week he's more, thirteen. He's more than halfway to the projected number of snaps that he'll need for the season. So let's get to the Dolphins game next. Dolphins are fourteen point underdogs at the Bills. Who Buffalo's coming off a bye, and they lost that game to the Titans in a way where it kind of like might have you kind of like mad because like we you know we should have won that game. Yeah, and the Dolphins just stink. I mean, I am I would take the Bills. I don't care how many points it is. Like I think the Bills <laughs> are they stomped them back when they played them early, and I know Tua got hurt in that game, and Jacoby Brissett had to come in. That was like what? It was a 35-0 shutout. Like I don't know if it's going to be quite that, but I will take the Bills and not feel bad about it. What it's about in you? Buffalo, right? Yep, in Buffalo. Yeah, I'll lay the fourteen. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have anything further to add. You're right. The Bills are good, and the and the Dolphins are your bottom three team in the NFL right now. And we'll continue to monitor, obviously, if the Dolphins trade for Deshaun Watson because the deadline to do that is November second, so their time is running up. You think it uh, happens? Out. Quick, quick, just yes or no. I'm going to say yes. I also say yes. Okay. It happens. Yeah. Deadline spurs action. Like, you know, the talks are going to heat up and the Dolphins are going to realize that, like, two is not it and they're going to push their chips in. I think they've done that already. (laughs) By the way, I have seen people, like, say, like, trade for Tua if they do make that. No. Tua stinks. Why do you think they want to trade for Watson? (laughs) Pass. Um, Football team at the Broncos. I'm going to take the football team actually with the points in this game because I think the Broncos aren't very good. I'm not a, te- I've never been a Teddy guy, never been a big Teddy believer. And not to say like I'm a big Taylor Haneke believer, but the football team, like that game in Green Bay last week was closer than the score indicated. Like they had two plays at the goal line where they had touched the chances mm-hmm. to score touchdowns. And like the one was just a garbage NFL rule that actually screwed over the Eagles. I was talking about this RJ on the NFC East mixtape here in the Booting Green Nation podcast feed. Um, where remember with Carson Wentz died for the goal line in week two against the Falcons of the 2019 oh, season. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And he was, and he got over the line, but he was ruled down because his knee hit, even though he mm-hmm. wasn't touched. Yeah, and that yeah, counted yeah. as giving himself up, which is just a garbage <laughs> yeah. nonsensical cool rule so taylor hennigy same kind of thing happened to him i mean like he was in the end zone like it should have been a touchdown and they still probably would have lost to the packers to be clear but i mean they had a chance to, t- to cover that game at least or make it a little bit more competitive than they did and i think there so um the washington's defense didn't get as towards badly as i thought it could have against aaron Rodgers and company so uh again 
not a Teddy guy. And I could see a scenario here where the Broncos, if they do win, it's still like a close game, like one or two points. So I will take the points from the football team or with the football team. What about you? So the Broncos started out 3-0 and this year, and it's only because they played the Giants, the Jets, and, and the Jags. Jag- yeah, Jaguars or Texans, one of those one of those teams. But three garbage teams, and they won. They beat them all, and they've been zero and four since. So, like, and and they've looked really bad in those four games. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I actually think the uh, football team. Uh, I had, I think, I had them winning, and then I changed my mind, and I had the, I, I changed my mind. I had the Broncos beating them instead. But uh, yeah, I'll take the three points here, and uh, I think the football team roster, you know, for as un, you know, as underperforming it's been this year, I do think it's. Uh, uh, a better roster than this Broncos roster, roster, the quarterbacks aside, who both, you know, you wouldn't want either of these quarterbacks if you're building a, a franchise, of course. But uh, uh, the quarterbacks aside, I think this Washington football team roster is better. That brings us to the Cowboys being one and a half point favorites in Minnesota against the Vikings. Who do you have in this one? So I trying to figure out why that line is so low because it looks like a steal to me you know the cowboys minus one and a half i'll take that all day and it's because Dak prescott strained his ankle on the final play of the game week six in overtime against the patriots on the deep ball to uh, cd lamb that they scored on um so he wouldn't have played uh it doesn't look like in week seven if the cowboys had a game but they didn't they had a bye so it came as at a perfect time for for dallas and I guess there's still some question whether Dak is going to play. And in yeah. my opinion, if it's even like close to being borderline, he's going to play because like they got to keep pace. Forget the division. Like the Cowboys are going to win the division, but now you have these four other like really good teams in the NFC. Like the NFC is stacked at the, at the like top, the top yeah. five teams. Thereafter, it's complete trash, but you have the Cowboys, the Packers, Rams, Cardinals, and Buccaneers. And they like all those teams just keep winning. None of them have more than a loss right now. And of course the Cardinals are undefeated. So if he can play at all, like if, if he's even close to being able to play, he's going to play. And if he plays, then that one and a half is a bargain in my opinion. And I will gladly take the Cowboys minus one and a half. I will take the one and a half. How could you bet on <laughs> Kirk Cousins? Like Sunday night football, really extremely big game. Oh, like, yeah, so you're, that's always like your favorite stat, like Kirk Cousins in primetime. Do you have that off the top of your head? What that is? I don't have it in primetime off the top of my head, but I used to, I don't think that was it too. I know that one's floated out there before. I used to have like his record against winning teams and it was okay. terrible. Like, cause, <laughs> okay. cause like that was just always anecdotally true in my head. I was like, yeah, okay. Like he's, he's always like, having good games against these terrible teams, but then they play a good team and like he sucks. And that's basically who he is. Um, everyone's like, Oh, but he's been better this year and he's doing what? Like, stop. It's Kirk Cousins. His, his stats day. are always really good. Like, yes. Stats, they are, they're always immaculate. And he's got like good players. He's got awesome receivers around him. Yep. But I'm with you. Like you, you, you watch enough of them. You become very like kind of unimpressed by him. He does not. So like if you could take Jalen Hurts' intangibles and like add maybe Kirk Cousins like passing talent. Okay. Yes. Then you have a quarterback there. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. Kirk Cousins is like negative intangibles. Like I just I can't do it. I can <laughs> yes. never I can't put my faith in him and like feel good about that. Like that's not a good bet to me. Like I would I'd much I'll live with him proving me wrong here and there. Like I I'll I will that'll be okay to me. But I cannot put good any kind of good faith into him. I will say maybe this is kind of like a schedule loss for the Cowboys because they have been rolling and they have been getting a lot of breaks in their favor. Not only like the Dak thing, like you talked about, but mm-hmm. like all these interceptions and turnovers. Like, I mean, Trayvon Diggs obviously has like a billion interceptions. Like, and not only like 
that they're getting these turnovers, but they're always getting them in like really, really big spots too. Yeah. So like some of that is going to dry up a little bit and maybe Kirk Cousins gets really hot and it's a shootout and they just happen to lose. But like, again, that's not a scenario I'm betting on. I, I could just, I could see it happen, but I'm not going to count on it. So I will take the Cowboys like you to cover the Sunday one and night. a half. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think Sunday, you night. That. Sunday night, not, not Monday night. Sunday night. Yeah. Halloween, okay. Halloween night. Okay. Um, Jimmy, what are you going to be for Halloween? Uh, well, I can say my, my daughter is going to be a panda. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to be in Detroit for that game. So maybe I'll be, uh, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. <laughs> I'm going to be, uh, a stereotypical big J journalist. Okay. Not exciting. Um, <laughs> so I have a really good Halloween costume, Jimmy. Okay. And. Did you only ask me that because you wanted to talk about your Halloween costume? I actually didn't. No, I wasn't going to talk about it at all. Um, I was curious because I brought up Halloween. Um, and I'm kind of bummed out that it's on a, an NFL Sunday, but whatever. Okay. Um, you're a big Halloween, my Halloween guy, costume. Huh? I like Halloween. I was born in October, as you know. Uh, I just like, I'm, I'm big, like fall, Halloween, all of it. My birthday okay. month. It's just like, it's just, I love it all. So, uh, my costume, Jimmy, which I have already been, for a combo Halloween slash my 30th birthday party is a full on, like very accurate, like replica of Darth Vader. Like it okay. is not like, like a cheap version of this. This is like a, like a full on, like very insane costume to have. And obviously when I'm wearing it, like, I feel like, you know, I'm six foot yeah, nine. Like, <laughs> so like, <laughs> right. it's like, it's like incredibly like this, you know, it looks good. Uh, if I can say so myself. So, uh, there's a good video out there that not out there privately that I have of me entering a room full of people not knowing that I'm going to be wearing this costume, mm-hmm. uh, to just shock as I come in. So always really appreciate to, to be able to do that when I can with my great costume. Maybe you if people want to see uh, that video, put, put that video up uh, with the, with the podcast when you post it on BGN. I think people got to ask for it. I think people have to, to want to see it. We got to get some, some, you know, some reviews going. Some reviews, we got to. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to the Giants at the Chiefs. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Uh, I will take the Chiefs to cover. I don't care that the Giants freaking beat the Panthers who stink. And that's what that game was about to me, by the way, as I said to RJ too. Not about like the Giants being good all of a sudden, but the Panthers just being terrible. Uh, the Giants still didn't even play well in that game for like most of the game until the end. Uh, I, w- I know the Chiefs are going through their own struggles, but I will take the Chiefs. So my thing on this game is the Chiefs were one and two and they, you know, really needed a win. They played the Eagles and they beat the Eagles easily. And then they were two and three and they really <laughs> needed a win against the Washington football team and they easily beat the Washington football team. Well, now they're three and four and they really need another win against uh, another trash NFC East team. And I think they'll easily handle the New York Giants as well. But yeah, this line isn't that big, right? It's like it's nine and a half, nine and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I'll lay the nine and a half on that. Uh, it is also in Kansas City, unlike those other two mm-hmm. NFC East games. Okay, so that brings us to the Eagles game, Jimmy, where the Eagles, which is insane to me. I can't believe this. They are three and a half. So more <laughs> like just three and a half point favorites against the winless Lions, the 0-7 Lions, who I think unanimously people would say are like better than that record indicates. Like they should have won at least yeah. one game by now. They're not like this total. I mean, I would take the Lions to beat the Jaguars right now. I would take the Lions to beat the Texans right now. Like they're, I think they're better and I'd take them to beat the Jets and I'm taking them to beat the Eagles. Um, spoiler alert. 
I think this is a game that comes up all lines from the standpoint of like, you know, some of those intangibles or maybe they're tangibles because I'm talking about them, whatever of like Dan Campbell, hungry for a win, do Staley revenge game slash maybe Dave Fipp revenge game. He tested positive for COVID. I think so. I, I think he just has uh, I think he's just away from the building because okay. of uh, COVID, uh, you know, Protocol. whatever protocols. Uh, so I don't know if he's tested for COVID or well, not. Regardless, but revenge game for revenge Deuce. Revenge game for, for, for and uh, for Deuce. I, I think <laughs> it's just like the Lions are at home. The Eagles are coming off of this terrible loss. A lot of people have taken the Eagles to lose this one, Jimmy. At least 60% of the readers in the Bleeding Green Nation right? weekly picks yeah, are taking. 60, and took them, 60 took the Lions 60 to win this game? 60% took the wow. Lions to win this game. And I believe, I th- was it like five out of nine BGN writers also did? T- really? The majority of BGN writers also did. It was split. It was split okay. by one, but still. And I was one of them. And I, I, it just feels that way to me, Jimmy. Okay. I have the Lions too. So like I also picked the Lions. And uh the the one thing that I think is like kind of funny about this matchup is that, you know, we we already talked about how the Eagles play this soft shell, you know, just let let the opposing offense do whatever they want in the short, Soft shell is a <laughs> generous way to put it. Is like they just let teams do like the uh, whatever they want in the short to intermediate areas of the field. But they got those blades of grass 50 yards down the field on lock. Um and Jared Goff, that's all he can do is just, you know, throw short and, and, you know, these medium range passes. I think he has like the lowest, uh, air yards in the NFL. Do I have that right? Um, Probably. But, uh, His receivers I mean, stink too. Th- that's all he can do. And, uh, I mean, th- I guess the two leading receivers are, um, Swift and Hawkinson. And then one of their receivers is third. A tight end and a running back. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the area of the field that he works. And, uh, if the Eagles continue to play this, you know, this ridiculous defense, just fire everybody against it. Like they play this, this way against the Lions, fire everybody after this game. Um, but yeah, I have the Lions winning this game because for me, both teams are bad, but you have a, you have a scrappy bad team versus a lethargic bad team. And I'll take the scrappy bad team all day. I also think there's a kind of a coaching mismatch here with like Dan Campbell and a lot of his staff. Not only do they have like coaching experience in the NFL, but a lot of them have played too. That was like a mm-hmm. big thing with his staff. A lot of former players, like you have Deuce Staley, you have Dan Campbell himself, you have Mark Brunel there. Uh, I believe Hank Fraley is their offensive line coach. Um, so they, they have a lot of former players on staff. And I think that matters. Um, I think going up against a very green Eagles coaching staff that doesn't put have this experience. Yeah. yeah. I think that's like, I think there's a big mismatch there. Um, and again, yeah, the, I mean, Hey, the Eagles come alive in garbage time. Uh, and the lions, I think have had some issues with blowing leads clearly. So maybe that's a, uh, something to watch. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how you can't take the points in this one. Like maybe you think the Eagles are going to win, but you really think like anyone out there has confident, like they're going to win comfortably against right. this team. Like like three and a half, like you're going to take them to cover. Like that's crazy to me. I think the points are like a steal and I'm, I'm shocked because it opened up a three and a half. Like, I can't believe yeah, it hasn't moved. like yeah, yeah. shifted at all. Like I would, I mean, again, if so, the, the DraftKings Sportsbook promo code SBN NFL for that whatever the special offer you can get. But uh, if you want to make a bet, I'm just saying it's pretty tempting three and a half to take the the points here in this game. Uh, well, I mean, they're zero seven, so like, I mean, for for as scrappy as we say they are, and like they, you know, they almost won a couple. I mean, they actually beat the Ravens. Like there mm-hmm. was a, a delay of game 
call that just—I mean, it just didn't get called. Like it went, mm-hmm. to, it went to double zeros, and it's and it sat there for like two seconds before yep. the Ravens got the snap off. Like that should have been the end of the game right there. And then Justin Tucker hits a sixty-six-yard field goal to beat him. And then like they against the uh, the Vikings, the Lions tried, they were down by six, no seven. They were down by seven. They score a touchdown. Um, they could have kicked the extra point to just take it to overtime. Went for two, got it, kicked off. Um, they had a short, Mikey's had a short return. Then they drove like 40 something yards in 30 seconds and they kicked a long field goal and beat Detroit in that game too. So they've had like two like really gut punch losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, like we've said, like they, they come to play, they play hard and, uh, they, they've kind of given really good team. Now I'm not calling the Vikings a really good team, but they gave like a really good Ravens team all they could handle. They also fought back against the Niners in week one, who the mm-hmm. Niners aren't looking good, but that was when they were looking better earlier on in the year. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the Bengals game is really their Bengals game, which was like a blowout loss for them, is the only game they really haven't been competitive in. Hey, yeah. the Bengals look kind of good. They just beat the Ravens too and kicked the crap out of them. Yep. Um, so yeah. And hey, like, are the Eagles playing inspired football right now? I mean, not really. So I just don't know what you point to here. I mean, there, you could look at the fact that okay, like this defense has had good, they've had success against lesser quarterbacks like Jimmy G and Matt Ryan and Sam Darnold. They've been able to limit the damage those guys have done. Um, you could look at that the interior offensive line of the Lions just is really not in good shape. Their best, one of their best offensive linemen, Frank Ragnow, is hurt and on IR. Oh, yeah, so they have a backup in there and maybe Javon Hargrave has a big game. Although David Hargrave banged up this week, by the way, on the injury report. Did, yeah, didn't practice on Wednesday and was limited today. So we'll see how that goes. Um, so there's, you know, there's some things you can see how the Eagles could win, but like, and, and the, the Lions pass defense is terrible. They're missing Jeff Akuda. Um, they're missing, uh, Ifatu Melifanwu. Like there's, there's, there's areas where they're just. Sorry, opposing quarterbacks. Sorry to cut you off. Have like a 114 point something QB rating <laughs> against them. Yeah, which is by far the worst in the NFL. And then like they have, uh, what was the other crazy? Uh, there's some other crazy stat. I'll find it real quick. Sorry to. Eh. Anyway, you can continue whatever it was you were saying. <laughs> well, I'm just saying like there's ways to you know the lines are bad and yeah, well, the honestly, stinks. yeah, the roster the Eagles have more talent I would say than the Lions roster, especially when you account for a lot of the Lions best players are on IR. Like from a bad roster to begin with, they're just really banged up. So you know, can the Eagles win this game? Yeah, but like. I don't know. I just, I can't do it. I can't take them. They have not earned the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I am taking to the Lions the win and I don't feel like on the fence about it. I feel like confident. I feel confident that the Lions are going to win this game. I could be wrong and hey, credit to the Eagles if they prove me wrong. But right now I feel very confident that the Lions are going to win this game so much so that I will take them to win by 10 points. So here it is. It's the other stat was uh, they're allowing 9.5 yards per pass attempt which is by far the worst in the NFL. I think the second uh, worst team was like 9.0. 9.5 is a huge number for yards per pass attempt. Uh, like I said, 114.2 QB rating uh, allowed, worst in the NFL. Uh, 15 touchdown passes allowed, that's 27th. Percentage of passes resulting in a first down is 40.3%. That's also very high, 29th. Uh, pass plays of 20-plus yards, they've allowed 32 of them. That's 30th in the NFL. Pass plays of 40 plus yards. They've allowed seven of those. That's 30th in the NFL as well. So pass defense is just brutal. If the Eagles can't move the ball against this team through the air, then, you know, who are they going to do it against? 
Yeah. I mean, these aren't hopeless in this game. It's not, I'm not trying to say that, but I, I just don't think they're in a good spot right now and I think they're going to lose. Um, so that's it for our, <laughs> our Eagles Lions preview and everything. Jimmy, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, no, just, uh, uh, just looking forward to getting back from this trip. And then there's one more, uh, time this season that the Eagles will board a plane that'll be to Denver and then I'll board a plane the rest of the year. So a uh, uh, little selfish shout out to myself here. I'm happy about that. I won't have to board a plane after this Denver trip upcoming after this Detroit trip. You won't have to board a plane. People are bored of hearing you talk about that. So <laughs> a lot on board for us here on BGN radio. It's a big, um, it's a big theme in my life. I'm counting down the, the flights that I have to take. <laughs> Uh, I don't think I have any great food places new to recommend, but uh, with our hashtag BGN Good Eats, I did go to Barclay Prime last week, Jimmy, and it was immaculate. I'm sure it the, was. The authentic Kobe beef, man, like so many five ounces, but man, it is just, it was like, I was laughing and smiling as I was eating it. So I was like, this, this shouldn't be this good. Like, like there's no way it can be this good. And it was that good. So yeah. big shout out to them. I uh, had a great dinner there. And that does it for this week's episode, which is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order of the best snacks you can get. Jimmy, you can reach Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors at RoachRealtors.com or 856-906-9295. Check out the SB Nation NFL show for our league-wide coverage. In addition to the Eagles, if the Eagles are depressing you, why not watch other football games too and kind of have that to go with it? Benjamin Solak, Jimmy, you've probably heard of him before, was a special guest, surprise guest to, to me on the off-day debrief on the SB Nation NFL show this week. So that was good. That was fun to have Ben talking with us again about not only the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, but other stuff as well. Uh, we have the NFC East mixtape on the feed. That's been a really fun one to do, even though it's a terrible season to do it because the Cowboys just keep winning and I have to talk about it with RJ every week. But uh, it's kind of just uh, – it's a good conversation nonetheless. And uh, that's, you know, that's what I'm doing on the Bleeding Nation podcast feed. A lot of other good shows, of course. Um, stay tuned for all of those. Be sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. Jimmy Kemsky is on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. You can check out my work, bleedinggreennation.com, Jimmy's work, phillyvoice.com. Follow Bleeding Green Nation on Twitter at Bleeding Green. Follow BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. Jimmy, we'll Goodbye, see what the Eagles do this weekend. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. B-G-N. <laughs>